Welcome to the next episode of Real Talk. This is our real estate podcast, and we are your hosts, the Homefield Group at Royal Page Heartland Realty. Today we have joining us Trevor Bazinet. Uh, welcome, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Trevor is a uh, Goddardstown counselor, uh, and a uh, he's the host of. Uh, a local Facebook show, we'll call it uh, Strictly Business, where Trevor speaks with the local business community. And Trevor is a huge uh, proponent of uh, of sports and community and somehow has another uh, a job that he does as well. So thank you so much for taking the time today, Trevor. I know it's uh, it's not the easiest thing with your schedule. Well, th- like I said, thanks for having me. And that's uh, th- that's a really nice introduction that you gave me. So greatly appreciate it. Well, no problem. Yeah. I had to dig deep and take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we've got Trevor on here today to, to talk about a, n- a number of things and just see where the conversation goes. So uh, let's start with some council type uh, discussion. Now, I will say that uh, just as a, a caveat, Trevor is not here speaking on behalf of council. Uh, he's not here as a, as a representative per se or a spokesperson for council, but we just wanted to glean some information from him on, on what's, what's happening at council. So Trevor, what is the, you know, the biggest issues that are in front? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, right now, I find the biggest issue is me- our meetings. Uh, we do our meetings currently via Zoom. And it's a lot different, obviously, than being inside a council chambers. For me, when I'm in council chambers, I like having that, you you feel like you're having that one-on-one debate or whatever, a debate with someone or a conversation right in front of them. With Zoom, it's, it's, you know, we all know that it's set up where you can't really read people's body language. And I tend to, you know, focus around the room and see what other counselors are doing. Um, there are some benefits to Zoom. We still can have our council meetings. Um, but, you know, discussion-wise right now, obviously new development that you guys uh, know a lot about. Um, Memorial Arena is still a hot topic. It's been on unfinished business for a couple of years now, and the discussion is finally starting to happen as to what do we need to do with that facility moving forward. Um, you know, and obviously social distancing in our community and making sure that people are, you know, obeying the rules that we have in place as well. I was just going to say, you know, I thought it was interesting that the, the thing that you brought up right off the bat was the, the council meetings and mm-hmm. how sort of the dynamics has changed. Do you find you, you can get through the agenda items faster on Zoom or, or is it actually sort of, you know, a longer, slower process? It's uh, definitely a longer, slower process. Uh, You know, usually meetings tend to go two hours, maybe a little over two hours. Um, Lately with Zoom, we're we're close to four hours. And it's it's excruciating (laughs) when you get to that three-hour point because anyone knows if you're, you know, if you're in a meeting yourself or um, Parliament, for example, doesn't even meet for three hours, okay? Um, So... The, your attention span only lasts so long and you get tired and maybe there's some important topics near the end of the agenda that really aren't given the attention they need. That's just a, a personal opinion that I have that's happening. Yeah, I find uh, Zoom excruciating after about 16 minutes. So yes. uh, four hours might be a little much <laughs> yeah, for me. Exactly. Uh, we had a record meeting though uh, just this past Monday where we were done by 6 p.m. So that's an hour and a half and we were all very happy about that. Nice. So on the topic of the, the Memorial Arena, mm-hmm. um, what are some of the what are some of the uh, the, the 
well, I, I know that there hasn't been any plans made, so to speak, but uh, as far as ideas that have been thrown around, is there anything that you can talk about with uh, the potential for that, that area? For sure. So what the initial start of the discussion happened a couple of years ago. Um, there was a survey for community members to fill out. Um, and then it included, you know, do we do we look at adding a second ice or this add an ice pad to the facility again? Um, is the option for demolition? Is there an option to maybe sell the facility or lease the facility? So there was four options for people to select from, and then they could add their comments on, you know, if there was something else they wanted to see, keep the facility, but see something like roller skating happen, or more events happen, or rock wall climbing, or indoor soccer, things like that, putting turf on the arena floor. Um, a lot of good ideas uh, came from that survey, but um, you know, st- it still sat on unfinished business. It so, was- what was the most popular suggestion? Well, the most popular suggestion was to keep the facility. So, um, over sixty percent of the people that filled out the survey wanted to keep the facility. So, you know, a lot of people still think in this town, including myself, that a second ice pad is still needed in this town. Um, you know, I'm out in the public and I hear the users that we currently have. I sat in a meeting when we lost this Memorial Arena ice surface and we had to work with all the users that we had that were using both ice facilities at that time and try to accommodate everyone the best we could. That was impossible. Um, When you lose an ice pad, you can't accommodate everybody. So we actually had to say goodbye to a few ice users, which you do not want to do. Like who? Um, um, Here in Perth Lakers, for example, AAA organization would come to Goddard and use uh, four or five hours ice time per week. You have a men's recreational hockey league that that Jeff played in for a number of years, and so did I, um, that now doesn't play in Goddard. They play in Clinton and in Blythe, okay? You have ladies hockey and girls hockey that is non-existent in the town of Goddard anymore. Um, you have um, some old-timer teams that, ha- that no longer have ice. And when we lose a second ice pad, the nice thing about a second ice pad is you can, you can g- pretty much give everybody the ice time that they want, okay? So when we, when we had that second ice pad coming into the town of Goddard, the YMCA, I was at the meeting um, in the Menace Tongue Room at Town Hall years ago, and I was the president of the Goddard Rec League at that time. And our big thing was, if we can keep our ice at Memorial, let's do that. You know, it would be nice to play at the new arena, but we don't need to. That, let's give the ice to the younger kids um, that are more deserving of playing in a new ice facility. So we, we end up getting ice on a... We were playing at 10 p.m. on a Monday and Tuesday night. We end up getting ice at 7 p.m. and 8.30 on a Thursday night, for example, and then 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So the convenience of that, having that second ice pad, was fantastic for a user like that and everyone else as well. When you lose that ice surface, now you go back to the, you know, for example, my son plays 8.30 on a Sunday night. They get off the ice at 10 p.m. He has to go to school the next day. It's tough to wind down after playing a game of hockey, right? So having two ice pad, <clears throat> pads is definitely a convenience. Um, and we've lost a lot of users because we no longer have that second ice pad. So we, we need to actually look at the numbers, accurate numbers. So you have to, for me, I made a recommendation to council that 
over five years when the Memorial Arena was operating. Let's see what the users were then. Um, you can't base it on the last couple of years because I know what they were doing was the ratio they were trying to move a little more each year over to MRC if they could and make it work over there. So Trevor, the, uh, just so that I understand and so that our viewers understand, the, uh, the purpose, like if, there, if a secondary ice pad was not put on in, in Memorial Arena, the other option is to, to twin the ice surfaces at, at YMCA, mm -hmm. which would be like a strictly practice rink. There wouldn't be spectator area, that sort of thing. Correct? correct. Yeah. 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 So you'd add a second ice pad, which is always nice because then you have two in one facility. You're not um, doubling could, up on uh, equipment, maintenance, those sorts of things. Exactly. Uh, you, so, could have, you could still have one Olympia, for example, just yeah. going back and forth. Yeah. Right? So you, you're... Uh, your council uh, started a task force, uh, I believe, for the purposes of exploring the the, the fate of uh, of Memorial Arena. So, could you just tell us what the makeup of that task force was for those that might not have seen the uh, seen that council meeting? Well, I, I did a presentation to council regarding what I thought was best moving forward, and you know, as a councillor, we have to be fiscally responsible to our ratepayers in our towns. So. My suggestion was adding an ad hoc committee similar to what we did with the development of Bannister Park. Um, it worked out well for Bannister Park. We got, we got a new outdoor recreation facility over there um, with Memorial Arena. It looks fantastic. Unfortunately, we can't use it because of COVID. Um, but similar to that, so it would involve two council members, two or three staff members, administration members from the town of Goddard, and then five community members would sit on that task force and work together. The big thing now is we need the actual numbers of cost. There's been, you know, some numbers thrown out to council, but that was a couple of years ago. And as we know, with each year that passes, the cost increase, supply and demand increase as well, right? So we need those numbers in front of us to actually make a really firm decision on what is best moving forward. Um, if it's going to cost $6 million to put in a second ice pad and do the renovations that we need to do at Memorial Arena. Um, that's a lot of money. If it's going to cost $9 million to put a second ice pad over at a newer facility and add a newer um, addition to that facility, that's a lot of money as well. But what makes more sense moving forward? We also need to see the numbers of the users. Yeah, well, what's, gonna... what's, what's the rate of the users over the past, say, five years, right? Is it declining? Is it staying? Is it you know staying at a, a certain line, or is it increasing a little bit from year to year? And do you know the answer to that? That, that actually was my next question. Yeah, it's right now. It, you can't really judge it because the way I'll just talk about minor hockey, for example. Sure. But the way the setup minor hockey is now is less kids on a team. So when you have less kids on a team, that means you're going to have more teams that require more ice time. Right. Because minor hockey is operating under a, a nine skater, one goalie per team, whereas before you could have 15, 16, 18 players on a team and a goalie, right? So um, because of COVID and the amount of numbers you're allowed on the ice at a time, um, they actually need more ice time. So it's, 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 it's hard to judge right now. Every, everything's so unknown, right? But I still feel we need to have that discussion. And when... How, like, is there a sort of a deadline? I guess there's no deadline. No. But, uh, is there a, a goal at which the council 
will have a, an idea of when they're going to make a decision on what's going to happen there? Well, it, it, it's funny because with each council meeting, it seems like things change. So there was um, a su suggestion at our meeting this past Monday from our CAO that thought maybe it would be better to bring in a third party and have a third party review of everything that's going on at Memorial um, in regards to cost and how much it is going to cost. Have a third party uh, come do the review, bring the review to council and, and with a recommendation to move forward. So in saying that, that was tabled. So once again, we're at a standstill in regards to it. So the discussion will happen December 14th at our council meeting. And anyone that's watching this, I would suggest if you can watch that council meeting because it could become very entertaining for some. That was December 14th it there? Is. Yeah, was? at 4.30 it starts. Yeah. And do you just sort of log in onto a, like a Facebook site? or? A, a yeah, you can go right on the Town of Goddard's website um, and, and click on to the live stream and you can oh. watch it from there. I, I believe here in Talon East Link still cover it as well, but they they will produce that a couple days after council. But you can watch it live or you can watch it the very next day just by going to the Town of Goddard's website, which is good for people, right? Well, you don't have to, to go to council chambers anymore. It's, it's excellent for people to be able to keep uh, up to date with what's happening. Uh, it, is, it is our town and our, our council and committees are there to, to represent us and to, to do what's, what's you know, both fiscally responsible and in the best uh, interest of our community. So yeah, um, I totally agree that way too, because I, I'll, I'll tell you, before I became a town councillor, I was one of those guys that would, you know, I was a, maybe a disgruntled Volvo employee. Years ago when Volvo closed down, I lost a job. And I was looking for someone to blame. And I was mad at council at the time. But then I educated myself and realized council really, they, they couldn't do anything about Volvo leaving, right? And, and some people like to blame council for certain things that happen in our community. But there's certain things that council really has no, um, no power it's a it's right. a free market. It's uh, it is yeah. Know, so you businesses know. do what they what they're meant to do. So uh, on the topic of business, let's talk about. Uh, we're going to jump all over, I guess. Sure, because there's that's a couple fine. Things I love that, it. This is great. You know, yeah. this is a great yeah. conversation so far. But let's talk about uh, some of the strictly business stuff that you've been okay. doing. So how many uh, how many businesses have you? chatted with at this point, Trevor? Um, done 46 episodes so far. Um, it's been a lot of fun, but I will tell you, you know, I, I started this idea because I, I've wanted to do it for years, but I've just never had the time personally to be able to connect with the businesses and, and do this. And then when COVID happened and my son wasn't in school, um, I took a, a little bit of father-son advantage time and had him become my video, videographer for the first few episodes. Um, and it was a good experience for both of us. But, um, you know, it, it, it's very interesting to have a sit-down discussion with business owners in our community and surrounding areas as well, um, you know, for them to tell their story. It's not just about their business, but it's also about themselves. Um, and I will say this, it's time-consuming because... I don't want to go to an interview not prepared. So I prepare questions and, and I'll send them to them uh, 24 hours in advance. So I'm not throwing them under the bus, so to speak. But um, I have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed an, every interview. I've met a lot of great people that maybe I didn't know about. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've all we've bonded and created a nice relationship moving forward as well. Yeah, that would be very, uh, very fun, interesting experience for you just to kind of delve into those 
pieces of the economy and the business world that you you know personally wouldn't have that much contact with. Uh, so overall, I'm sure like 46 episodes, you've probably seen some some themes that have uh, come to the forefront in, in terms of what makes our local businesses, uh, you know, what makes it run smoothly, what what obstacles do people run into, uh, you know, what sort of overall themes have you found from our, our local businesses? And I should, and just to mention, you were, this started post-COVID, right? So so all the, the feedback that you're getting from the people that you're talking to are, it's all post-COVID feedback feedback, right? Started in June. Middle of June was our first episode with uh, Pete Wick from West Street Willies. And uh, a learning curve with that one. So Pete was so excited about his new patio. West Street Willies has never had a patio before. And then the town of Goddard allowed um, the restaurants, if they wanted, if they had a patio to expand their patio, or if they didn't have a patio to be able to have a patio. So Pete really wanted to sit out on the patio and and do this interview. And uh, Pete's an awesome guy, but Pete's very soft-spoken. Um, I'm loud, <laughs> opinionated, and so we're doing the interview, and it's West Street. So as we know, anyone that lives in the town of Goddard, West Street in the summertime is probably the busiest street going. So the background noise of the cars driving by and, and people walking by. Um, so you wa- it's a lot. These interviews are done live. So um, you go back and you watch it after and go, Man, like we had a really good interview. My questions were, I was, I was so happy about the questions, but you really had to pay attention and listen to him talk, right? Because he was so soft-spoken. So we actually had to retape that interview at a later date just because I had some comments from people. But um, other than that, it, you learn. You learn along the way. You make mistakes and you learn along the way. But overall, the businesses, to answer your initial question is, They really had to adapt to the times that we're in right now. And when I say adapt, they had to think about, for example, restaurants that maybe didn't offer takeout. They had to offer takeout, but in in, in a sense, they had to market that a little more. They had to get a little more creative on their social media pages um, to make people aware that they were doing this. Um, Some restaurants had to, they, they pre-cooked their meals, for example, and then, you know, put them in the freezer so they're already pre-made for people that wanted to order them quick, take home if they're busy, pop them in the oven, and it's, you know, half an hour later you have a meal in front of you. Um, for the other businesses, um, you know, it was providing a safe environment for their staff and their customers walking in. So maybe some of them were only allowing so many people in the store at a time and doing the directional arrows and stuff like that. But, you know, I'll use uh, Schaefer's Ladies Wear, for example. I interviewed Anne there, the owner, and there, there's this myth, I guess, that everyone thinks that it's just uh, clothing for older ladies in our community. And in the interview, she brought the fact that, no, there's, there's clothes here for the younger generation as well. And the next day, she called me and she said she had so many younger women walking in purchasing items from her store that they had no idea were in her store, right? So That's amazing. It, yeah, it, it, was, it was nice to hear. And that was the whole idea behind Strictly Business was to have them tell their story, but also give them a chance to promote their business and let people know that maybe something they didn't know about their business. 
right? Yeah. And that business has been in business for 91 years in the town yeah. of Goddard. Yeah. Right? And then they've been opened up to a whole new demographic at this point. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, despite COVID happening, that there was, uh, you had businesses that, that have started. You had uh, uh, Sydney, Sydney over Pollitt. at uh, Blake Street Bakery yeah. that she started that this year and uh, kicking up north. Mm-hmm. They've got an online uh, clothing business. So it's really cool that, uh, that the you know, from 91 years at Schaefer's to, you know, some high school kids or yeah. that are that are starting businesses. So it's been very, very broad, the demographic that, it, you've, that you've spoken to. And that's what I love about our community is the fact that we have so many amazing youth in our community that are thinking outside the box, but they're the future of our community as well. So I, I'm glad you brought up Sydney and, and the boys from Kicking Up North as well, because, you know, after the interview with, with both of them, um, their business really increased. And for Kicking Up North especially, they partnered up with 360 Bikes and Boards and Donata contacted them after the interview. And now she's selling their merchandise in her store. It's, it's amazing what just getting word out in a different way to a different demographic can yeah. do. The, um, it's, it's the way that I see, and I, I commend you so much for the Strictly business, is uh, as, as you may or may not know, I am the vice chair of the Community Economic Development Committee. So we have a very kind of, you know, big picture sort of look at the economic as, uh happenings in the town and what you're doing, which, you know, serves a very, uh, very big purpose for the, for the community. What you're doing is a, as a, is a grassroots boots on the ground. This is community economic development by letting people know what's happening. So, uh, hats off to you for, uh, for doing that. And, uh, and you know, it's amazing. You have the time. If I can just jump back to some of the, uh, or, or a point I wanted to make with regard to what's happened since the pandemic, you, you pointed on, or you touched on the point of, of interviewing Pete on his patio. And uh, one of the sort of, I mean, with every negative thing, there's always some positive uh, things that come along with it. And one of the positive things, in my opinion, just as a user, or as, a, as a resident in the area, uh, the, the patios that popped up at like Part 2 Bistro, at West Street Willie's, it was so amazing to actually see the square become more of a pedestrian, like outdoor destination where you could sit and have a beverage out on a patio, which, I mean, you know, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people that I know feel that that square is underutilized. The, the no- such a great space. The notion of opening up the square to pedestrians has been on radar of council and my committee and various people for a number of years, I would say. Uh, and I think that the the time, then the timing of this happening has really opened up a lot of the community's mind. And not only the community, but the business owners. A lot of the business owners were a little bit worried about taking up any parking space on that square because that's park, it's limited as it is. Uh, so taking up a couple of parking spaces in front of your in front of your uh, establishment is there's there's a, a couple loads of customers that can't go in. So it's uh, it's been a double-edged sword, but I think uh, people will now see the proofs in the pudding and people will, will make a way to get there uh, if, if they have the desire. You know, hopefully post-pandemic, <laughs> some of these changes that have happened will stick. Yeah, and, and to add to that, Rick and Jeff, is um, 
This has always been a, a vision for myself and a number of council members with um, our square. Um, what that did, just opening up the patios and more patios and extending them out into the roadway was um, create a lot of vibrancy around that square. And that's what's really missing up there. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's weird to say, but it took a pandemic for that to happen. And now it's happened and it's not going to change now. Like n next summer, I'm hoping that the patios will be even extended maybe a little more. Um, and like I sit on a subcommittee of the BIA, Board of Management. So I'm a council liaison for the Board of Man BIA Board of Management. And we have a committee called the Open Square Committee. And that committee was planning to have three events this summer before all the COVID thing happened, where we actually closed the square down for 24 hours and had events up on the square. So people could just walk around the street. Um, restaurants and bars could extend their patios out. Um, we were planning a, a wine and beer festival, for example. Um, a, a ribs festival was in discussion. A health and wellness fe um, festival was in discussion as well, where you know people that ha own their own gym or CrossFit could bring their businesses up on the square and do demonstrations up on the square throughout the day. Um, just we had a lot of good ideas at the table, but for COVID to happen, we we weren't able to do that. But our we had a committee meeting last week, and that discussion we're starting to have that discussion again. Hopefully, we can do something this summer in regards to that. Uh, fingers crossed. But um, that's more of the mindset that we're having for our square now, is making it more pedestrian friendly. That's huge. So I think the the only other thing that we'd want to touch on, Trevor, today is uh, you know. Uh, our viewers are real estate. Uh, you know, our, our target is, is is informing people about real estate. Is there anything uh, in regards to the development or the business community uh, that you think uh, would relate in any way uh, to real estate, or that you would want our viewers and followers to to know uh, that council's looking at, or? Uh, just any any parting tidbits. Well, I, I really commend you gentlemen for for the development that's about to happen with the 300 new new homes that are going to be developed by Rob Wood. Um, and, and the one thing I liked about uh, Mr. Wood was the fact that he's going to try to keep everything local in regards to the development. Um, I did hear him say that in the interview. Um, that's that's a good start. So you're keeping everything local. You're keeping our our, our local businesses operating, our contractors operating, um, giving them work, um, which I'm sure they need. The, the the thing is, when that development is you know finalized and, and finished, you've added 300 homes to our community. Right now, we're in a critical state with not enough housing in our community, not enough homes, as both you gentlemen obviously know. Uh, a house goes on the market and it literally sells within 14 days max, right? Um, now with this development, that's going to open up possibly a chance for maybe people that own a house already in the town of Godridge to purchase a newer home and open up that market for people that are looking at, looking at a first-time buyer type situation to buy a, their old home, for example, what you're gonna do is possibly bring some more people to the community, obviously, which I see that happening through my work. Um, a lot of people from the GTA area are coming to our rural areas now because they no longer wanna work and live in the city, possibly because of what's going on with the pandemic. So they wanna come somewhere a little smaller. And a lot of people are able to work from home now um, due to COVID. 
And, you know, they, they were possibly working in an office before, but I think some of these businesses have realized with COVID is the fact that maybe we don't need that office space anymore. Maybe we can have our employees work from home for the majority of the time. Uh, more people, more homes brings more people to purchase things from our local businesses as well. More people to use our recreation facilities. We discussed Memorial Arena and the second ice pad. If you're bringing in more people to your community that are going to live here, they, you know, top three things are usually healthcare, schools, and recreation. Yeah, it's interesting uh, you touched on something that we've noticed since the pandemic. So pre-pandemic, we had a very um, uh, a significant buyer pool coming from the Kitchener-Waterloo area. And that buyer pool now has expanded into the GTA after the pandemic started to, well, the pandemic put a little bit of a pause in, in March on the market where things were just sort of, you know, unknown as to what was going to play out. But very quickly in uh, April, May, June, the market around here started to build up an intensity that was even more intense than before the pandemic. And it was the addition of that buyer pool coming from a, a wider area than just the Kitchener-Waterloo area. And we had already buyer interest in this area, like people who are from here, who want to live here, who want to buy here. So, you know, we've added to the pool with the, the uh, Kitchener pool, and, and now the pool's gotten that much deeper because of the, the attention on these areas that the pandemic has, uh, has given. And let's be honest here, we have a lot of great things that are happening in, in our town, even through a pandemic. You, our, our waterfront, um, you know, even though it's still under reconstruction, it's the gem of our community. But I'll use Menacetung Bridge as an example. This summer, I have never seen that bridge so busy in my life. People are coming here from all over to, to walk that bridge in the trail that, fo that uh, follows the bridge. Um, you have a new fish business down at the harbor, and they've been busy all summer, and they're even still busy from what I notice, um, you know, which is fantastic because the people using the bridge are now going to that restaurant and getting their fish and chips. Um, you know, we have a lot of trails. We have, you know, a YMCA, another beautiful facility that we offer, schools. Um, we have a downtown core. You know, you can walk anywhere in our town within it and get there within 10 minutes. Really. I just want to touch base. I know we got to probably get tied up here. Yeah. We could keep you here all day. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, uh, in your Strictly Business uh, uh, sort of podcasts or whatever you're calling them, they're mm -hmm. your shows. Um, what's the general sort of outlook from the business owners, you know, post-pandemic that you've noticed because you've, you've interviewed 41 of them? You know, can you sort of distill down what the general feeling is of, uh, among the people that you've interviewed? Um, my thoughts are they had a really busy summer, which was good for all of them. The patios helped with the restaurants. Um, without those patios, I'm not sure how busy they would have been. Um, you know, people are concerned about going inside restaurants still and eating there, and that's understandable. Um, the stores, uh, they had a busy summer as well. And they're very thankful for that business. Um, you know, it's it's the unknown that we're still living in that 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 really scares them. So you know, we just went into an orange, 
and there's rumors we could go into a red. So they are preparing themselves for that. Um, and the businesses that are able to adapt are the businesses that will be able to survive through this because with our community, we always tend to support each other when we are in need. And throughout this pandemic, our businesses have been in need and we've been there to support them. But I'd like to caution the people, please continue to support them because we're lucky to have the businesses that we have and, and we want to grow our business population as well wherever we can. And if we can support the ones we have, that is awfully inviting for any new business owners that want to come to our community to start up their own business as well. Yeah. So, Trevor, I just want to touch on one thing that you mentioned, the, you know, the people that come to visit our town uh, or, or that are moving to our town, uh, you know, it, it is, there is a change happening uh, where the people are coming from. And uh, I don't think that we can, we have to look at it as a positive. And uh, the, the community can, can sometimes look at people that are coming from different areas as, as a negative thing. But I don't see how uh, somebody loving this town uh, that we're in can be a negative. We've all, we've, it's a, it's a, it's a gem. Uh, we love the town. It's no surprise that they do. And it's, uh, it's obvious, Trevor, that, uh, that you love this town and that you're passionate for it. So I will, uh, we'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And we will, uh, I thank you so much for being here. And as Rick said, we could talk all day, but yeah. uh, we won't take any more of your time. So thank you, Trevor, for joining us. And uh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to sit down and be able to talk to you two gentlemen. And uh, I also want to personally thank both of you. Uh, the people that are in the real estate business in, in our town are actually ambassadors of our community. You're selling the community for us. So thank you for everything that you two gentlemen do. It's awesome. Awesome. That's been uh, the, uh, that's the episode of podcast. Thanks for joining us. 